The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome! This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast where three nerdy friends talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 1, Episode 9, Read the Dark One's Fine Print. Hello everyone, we are here and ready again to talk some more Wheel of Time. We are so glad that you can join with us for this episode. We are excited about the things we're going to be talking about tonight. My name is Justin, and I have my wonderful co-host with me. Say hi, guys. What's up, guys? I'm Michelle. Hey, guys. Steven here. And we are ready to roll for this evening. We're going to be talking about chapters 33 through 36 of the Eye of the World. So if you haven't read those yet, uh, go ahead and uh, go and read those few chapters while we just kind of, you know, sit here and, and uh, shoot the breeze a little bit. And then when you get back, we'll be ready to keep going. So Stephen, Michelle, you guys doing all right today? Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain yeah, about yeah. it. I can't complain. Much <laughs> this, better this feels, weather. <laughs> no, right? This, this feels uh, this feels weird because, uh, you know, our, to our to our listeners, we're we're recording at a different time than we normally do. So, uh, I'm sitting here at my desk, and there's actually daylight uh, outside. Which I guess I guess sooner or later we're, we're getting close to a, a time change. Um, so it'll be daylight anyway whenever oh, we record. No. But <laughs> what, is, um, what is it? Spring forward. That's the yeah, worst. We're getting ready to getting ready to spring forward. Yeah. Oh no! It is not the uh, worst. It should stay that way all year round. I hate uh, getting it's, it's, dark it's, it's at just four the, in the afternoon. <laughs> It's it's just the time that 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 loss of an hour on that Saturday night, especially for someone who works on Sunday morning, uh, uh, that's really rough. <laughs> get you, here's what you do: you just sleep an extra fifteen minutes for the next, for the first five days leading up to it, and then you'll be all caught up. Uh, it doesn't work that Steven, way for me. Just because you say <laughs> it you in a jolly manner does not mean that it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the, all the I've got to say about that. Uh, the good the good news is is I've got something else to do that day, so I'll be up super early. So it won't be that hard to fall asleep that night. I hope so. Um, which, by the way, by the time this episode releases, that'll already have been passed. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into our episode for tonight. How about we give a little summary of these chapters? Chapters 33 through 36 of The Eye of the World. Danger abounds on the Camelin Road as dark friends seem to be waiting around every corner. But the grandest city in the world awaits, filled with new information about old friends and a strange new friend. So we were we were talking um, off air a couple of days ago, and um, you know Michelle mentioned that. Or, or something to the effect of there's not a lot of action in these chapters. And, and, and let's be honest, there's, I mean, there are things that happen, but it's, it's kind of slow moving. However, there is a ton of information that we get that just really opens up the world a lot. And we're going to get into 
all of that, but there is some there are some some things that happen along the way. So we'll let our uh, our wheel of time guru kind of lead us through it. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> Go I for after it, you explained it, I did agree. I'm like, okay, like no one, uh, you know, no one grew to like 20 feet or anything, but I guess a lot did happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, chapters. Not every section of the book can be a giant battle or magical yeah. mystery fest. I mean, things have to slow down at some point, which they really don't. Stuff's still going well, pretty fast paced. Uh, uh, and there, there, there is such a thing as when it comes to fiction, there is such a thing as battle weariness. Yeah. Um, which uh, I think, for example, and and and. Let me be straight up and honest, I appreciate the films for what they are, but the third film in the Hobbit trilogy, uh, The Battle of the Five Armies, really suffered from from battle weariness, because it just went on and on and on. It's like they felt they, they needed to just keep adding stuff you know to, what? to keep it going. And that can happen when all you have is big moments of action. It needs to slow down every now and then. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, that actually is really appropriate because I think by the end of these set of chapters, you really see that for Matt and Rand. Uh, they're just bone-tired and weary from That's this true. travel and this trip. They finally reach Camelin, and by the time they get there, they're like – Matt especially is like on his last nerve. Like – yeah. He's about to come undone. <laughs> uh, just, well, it's just been nonstop. They've had a few lulls here and there, but there's so much. It's like they're constantly being hounded and pursued, and they have no room to breathe. And you can really feel that start to come across towards the end of these chapters. Interesting use of the word hounded, because didn't Baalzaman say something about his hounds? Yes, he did. <laughs> something like that. Um, well, I, I say with 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 Matt, um, we know, or at least we think we know, there's something else going on there. It's not just the weariness from oh. the road, um, but there definitely is a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff. Couldn't think of a, good, a better word. There's a lot of stuff happening to these two along the way. Yeah, there really is. And so, like where we left off with them last time. Uh, we they had were fleeing from four kings. Uh, right. We meet back up with our boys on the road, uh, <laughs> and this whole section of the book is a little bit topsy turvy because there's flashbacks yeah. within flashbacks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So just to break it down, we start out, um, with them basically further down, and in a cart, and then we yeah. flashback again. To yeah. right after they escape four kings. Uh, yeah, I had I had to go back and I had to go back and read that a couple of times to make sure I, I had everything lined year. up. <laughs> I was like, "What did I miss?" Like, I was, yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, did I skip a chapter?" And then it, it took a minute. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, the first okay. the first time I ever read the book series, I didn't even pick up on it. I was just so enthralled and and reading it so quick that I didn't even catch that they were flashbacks i was just like oh well that was weird right. move on <laughs> no 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 and, when, you, when and, you have someone that's so sick they can't stand and you know <laughs> someone else yeah. is like and yeah does does that happen a couple of times in these chapters or is it just the one time in chapter 33 no it happens twice does it okay yeah that's what i that's what so i thought it, um, but we'll we'll get through that i, I think yeah um 
Because because these four chapters were all Rand and Matt the whole way. We don't get glimpses of anybody else for this this period of time. Yeah. But so uh, starting out, uh, our boys are making their way. Um, so one, you've got Rand kind of feeling sick here and there. Not much yeah. at the beginning, uh, but Matt completely blind, pretty much. Uh, dependent upon Rand, and they're both just trying to escape. They're terrified if they slow down that the men from Four Kings, Harold Goad, will find them. Uh, So they're just absolutely at their wit's end, terrified, and just trying their best to make it as far as they can. Um, And I understand that. I mean, I get it. I I have to ask about uh, Matt's blindness, though. That was from the lightning strike, right? Like the light of it? Yeah, I, I was like, okay, let me just make sure because between like uh, Rand's sickness and like light sensitivity, I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely. If lightning struck that close to you, you would probably uh, have some similar issues for quite a while. Yeah, the idea, like, so Matt and Rand were basically pulling on the the with the crowbar on that window. So yeah. the lightning strike hit. The bars, basically, okay. of that, and okay, hit so that wall. Missed... It basically okay. the lightning hit directly on that exterior wall. So Matt was looking at that area. He was probably roughly two to three feet from where the lightning struck. <laughs> the fact that he's not dead is a miracle. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, I was about to say it's a miracle he's still alive. Yeah, uh, but you know those those almost seem like the least of their worries right now. Yeah. Because everywhere we turn, it seems. And more frequently this time. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what this reminded me of? And I always, like, guys, I'm always going to throw in Harry Potter because it's the one series I've read five million times. It's like, I, I feel like I went through a series of time where I read it, like, breathe and lived it. Uh, <clears throat> remember that one part in the last book where it's like you couldn't say Voldemort? Because yeah. they they automatically find you. I forgot what they called it. Um, it was it was something the, uh, like that. Uh, the, the the taboo. Yeah, the taboo. Doesn't this feel like they have a taboo or something? Because why is this happening? Well, that that was you know, that was something that I was you know trying to figure out. Because here we go. Just about everywhere we go, um, you know, we we ran into Harold Gold in or Gold in Whitebridge. Um, another village we come to. There's this. You know, oh. slip of a kid, Peter. Peter, who is who is so incompetent, but he's still trying, I guess, the best that he could. He's just not doing a very good job of it. And then we get to um, uh, was was it in that same village or no? It was another one where the the, the female dark friend it's, found them in the stable. It's the same village, I think, with Peter and tried to kill them. Was it the same or was no, it different? It, no, no, it was same. Uh, two it? different places. Two okay. different places. Yeah. So, um, just to clarify real quick, because you mentioned, I think you got mixed up there and said Whitebridge. Um, Harold Goad is four in Kings. Four Kings. My, my, my mistake. Four Kings, yeah. Yep. There's so many places within the past, like, ten chapters that have we've Have you read. noticed, though, <laughs> all of this seems to have been really picking up ever since they... I feel like it's when they, when they left Tom. It's like with his sacks and everything. It's like suddenly, after Tom's... Out, or is it... I'm, I'm trying to now, think about it. I'm like, this this keeps on popping. It's, it's just become so frequent. 
And then, oh, you know what? You know what it is? I bet you it's that dagger. That dagger with the with the what what you call it in it with the ruby in it. The ruby hilted dagger. Oh, you think, yes, you, the you ruby think, hilted you think dagger. That's how the, you think that's how the dark friends are tracking them? That's the taboo. Okay. All right. Hmm. Because look how um, Peter Peter was minding his own business, right? He was just minding his own business, walking through the inn. No, it, I don't think he was. No, because he looked, <laughs> and he looked at him. He's like, "Oh, um, hey, hey guys, I, I, uh, can, can I can I sit here, please?" No, so no, that's I him think, playing, I think he, trying to play dumb and not like not act suspicious. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? I think I think he. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say he knew exactly what he was doing because he didn't know what he was doing, but he was trying to know what he was doing. Because <laughs> he just came off as confused to me, like just like like. Like he's some kid fresh out of high school or something. It's his first time on the job, and it's like, oh, um, hey guys, can you just do me a favor and you know, like, can you just come with me, please, or can I just sit here with you? Yeah, I know it. It, it was it was clear he was very uncomfortable. Um, but it, and and the other thing too is it's it's not just dark friends, but we did uh, run into a fade as well. Well, not really, not really run no. into, but we 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 knew, we we were close to a fade. He, he slipped past, and, uh, which was weird, right? I, I don't. I don't understand how he could just slip past. So, like, I don't understand do how guys... he couldn't notice him. Like, how come the fade did not notice them? That was really weird. I don't know. What do you guys want to bet that uh, Raymond Holdwin is a skinny innkeeper? I feel like he's definitely not portly, and and it seems he, he... like it seems like you have to be portly to uh, to offer yourself as some sort of a you know to have any form of like respect or. At least for me, like I'm not gonna trust you unless you're portly at the very least. You, you got, you got to be large to be a, oh, a trustworthy innkeeper. Absolutely. Yeah. So if y'all don't mind, I think maybe we need to backtrack just a little bit because I think we're hopping around a little in the story. Okay, yeah, we got we got a little too. Uh, that's how the story yeah, was. We're getting by the way, excited guys. and, it's like, it's and like hopping you, like from place to around. place. Um, so they're leaving four kings. They're on the road. They eventually get a ride with a mole who takes them for a little ways. Um, Rant, Matt gets a little bit of a sight back, still pretty dazed, can't see a lot far off, that kind of thing. Uh, we finally, with uh, Harold Mole, we kind of see that there are actually some genuinely good people still left in the world. <laughs> They're not all bad, evil people out to get you. Uh, so then we come to uh, their first stop of the night after that. Uh, they actually decide to spend up what money they've got get themselves a nice warm meal and a place to sleep. Uh, and that in the next morning is when they meet Pater. Uh, who oh, comes in. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just trying to, I think hit the, the high notes of, of the points. I don't think we want to, uh, rehash every, every detail of, of, of the story. Oh no. But, I just thought maybe we should, um, uh, hit them in order. Um, well, well, we we're going along. I mean, there are dark friends pretty much every every corner we turn. Um, Pater's one of them, and then there's others uh, along the way. Uh, Pater, Pater is like he confused me. I've never seen. I mean, I've I've only been traveling as long as Matt and Rand and and everyone, but I've never seen such an incompetent dark friend. <laughs> <laughs> like it just like like if you can just get and it's so funny where he keeps on like following after them, and then finally, I guess. Rand just has enough and just socks him in the mouth. And I felt good. I felt it too. Here's the thing. Dark friends can be anyone. It's not yeah. just and 
it's not just always going to be the manipulative and cunning people that decide to follow the dark one. It's going to be the country bumpkins, uh, the little yeah. lordlings who don't understand how the world works. There's going to be a mix of people. And people are going to make that deal. They're going to swear their allegiance for any kind of goal. You know, some people, maybe it's gold. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's influence. There's untold reasons why people would decide to be dark friends. Uh, but not all of them are going to be skilled assassins or master manipulators. Right, right. Some of them are going to be and, like Peter, just simpletons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just happen to be but around. Didn't, and, and I think it was maybe, maybe Rand thinking to himself or made the the observation that not every dark friend is going to show up with the dragon's fang tattooed on their forehead. Correct. Well, so you're, you're not, there's that. They're, 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 it's like you said, they're going to be ordinary people. Uh, you're not going to necessarily see them coming. Yeah. You know what I so, love though? In the tiny amount of time it took them to like walk away from that inn, you already got rumors. Like a, a whole legend has just been formed. <laughs> you're hearing everyone talk about what went yeah. down. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, what? And it's fun to see how on the road it's almost like a game of telephone. Like seriously, and people are claiming to have seen it, and they're like, there were white cloaks involved, and <laughs> and all kinds. All of these things. people fell, and then these two, these two like transformed, and I, I would have loved <laughs> that. I would I would have contributed to that actually. That that's that's how the rumor mill oh, there's, works. There's though. nothing better than being you know the person that's running the rumor mill. Um, but I want to talk more about um, Rand's dream. Uh, did he have this dream? I'm trying to re- I'm trying to recall. Was it while he was on the cart? I'm trying to figure um, out when when was it when he fell asleep? Because I remember I feel like it was when he was on the cart because I was scared. Um, I was scared that you know they'd be discovered uh, just because you know they tend there, to they tend to talk a lot in their sleep. There were there were two dreams, weren't there? Uh, so yes and no. There, there, there there was there's two dreams, but one of them may not necessarily be a dream in the sense that we've been talking about them. It may okay. just have been like a fever dream. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let, let's maybe know, talk about each of those. I know it's like a flashback. It like, it, it, you know, because we have the, the dream in the beginning, but I know it's kind of a flashback, and that's where we... It's not even a flashback, it's a flash forward, and that's where we end up. Um, but it was yeah. something... Something about it kind of... You know how I said that I felt like the ruby-hilted dagger is kind of like their taboo? I feel like something's cloaking them somehow at the same time because it's like everyone can feel that they're there, but they can't really see them. It's kind of like a, a faulty invisibility cloak. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like maybe they got it on sale at TJ Maxx or something. <laughs> like it's not, it's not working like it should be, but it's doing good enough. Like it's doing a good enough job. Yeah. So yeah, it does seem oddly suspicious sometimes the dark friends can like point to them in a room and say ah and then other times it's like they're kind of stumbling wondering is that the person i'm looking for is it not i need to go back and like read it again because i it's i know there has to be some kind of clue about what they're wearing or holding or something they're doing because it's like they can kind of sense them sometimes and then other times it's like you there i know it's you and, and and they haven't exactly been conspicuous as they've been journeying. Uh, up until this point, they had been using, um, well, Rand had been using Tom's flute yep. to play music. And and from what we gather, 
in a few other places, that flute is not exactly, you know, there, it's not like there's a million of them floating around. It, it's definitely a unique instrument that would be easily recognizable. Not to mention, um, Rand is carrying the Heronmark sword, which is commented on several times. So they have different things that I think are make them identifiable. And but one thing that doesn't help is Matt uh, using his uh, his scarf to cover his eyes, uh, like some kind of see, that, like some kind another, of anime character. That could be another distinguishing feature. Somebody could be pointing that out along the way as well. Uh, but about these these dreams, um, the first one was where where was that? Was that during? Was that while the? Like, as they were escaping from Four Kings? The first one was when they're all... See, that's the thing. I know it sounds like we're jumping around, guys, like, to the listeners, but this is kind of how this series of chapters were because of the flashbacks and the flash forwards. The first dream was when they were, I guess, um, in the order of book-wise, was when they were on the cart, um, like, still heading to Camelin with the, with the with the one kind, you know... Uh, with the one kind guy that was just leading them or anything when uh when uh, uh when Rand was sick in the back of the cart like that was the first dream no 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 that was that was the that was the second dream i thought so i guess then the then i guess the other technical first dream as far as order I, goes is when they were inside the the barn i thought i thought the first dream was as they were like hiding under a bush or something cuz rand has he? He's. I think he's back in the inn at Four Kings. Is yeah. that right, Stephen? Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he's in, remembering. In the, not, not, not. Yeah. Not physically, but in the dream. Yes. And uh, that's where he sees this. I guess husk of what used to yes. be oh, okay. gold. All right. Here we go. So the first dream. You are right. Uh, they are huddled up under a bush. Okay. Uh, yeah. it, it's right after they had left, uh, staggering away from the dancing cartman. Uh, they make their way out That's into the, the storm, down the road a ways, and eventually end up having to stop and hide under some bushes where they uh, get some sleep. And that's when the first dream happens. Okay. Right. And, and again, there's this really disturbing moment with... Gold. Yeah. Or Goad. Goad. I, I keep mispronouncing his name, I think. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, the the corpse-slash-body-slash-presence of yeah. Goad. Uh, that was weird. Uh, it gave me... It gave me... It was giving me Breaking Bad. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but some some listeners no. might have. Where Gustavo Frank, he kind of got blown up, so you see like half his face, like half half his oh, okay. yeah half his burnt face, half the normal face. Like that's what that's what that gave me. Uh, ne- never watched that, but I'm familiar with. I think I'm familiar with that scene. Yeah, but, uh, it, it it is. I think it's supposed to be some kind of really, uh, you know, messed up image yeah. uh, that he gives off, and it's almost. I guess he's he's begging maybe to be. Put out of his misery. I don't no, I a, think. No, I think what's happened is Goad thinks that he will uh, be rewarded, be rewarded. Yeah. and uh, he is rewarded, he but with the Dark One's reward of non-existence. 
he thinks he's going to be, you know, made whole and rewarded and praised. And he gets a reward, but not the kind of reward he wanted. Listen, when the Dark One gives you a contract, read the fine print. No, seriously. No, that's my advice to all of you. <laughs> like, read the fine print because he, he got his reward. It's just not, you know, it wasn't exactly what he was looking for. Yeah. I like that during this dream, Rand finally kind of seemed to take control, even though it's not a dream. We know that we know by now, at least I feel by now, that these are conversations. But it's like he finally I took think control. It's it's a dream, but it's more than a dream. He's he's in a dream state, I guess we could say, but it's definitely it, it's not just a normal dream. No. It's not something and, that's, uh, it's not like your subconscious. It reminded me right. of uh, Brandon Sanderson's books um, where, uh, uh, what's, uh, Galinar or whatever, like he can, he can kind of enter Dalinar. other, he can, he can, he can bring, he can bring, uh, bring other people to, you know, he can converse with people through dreams, um, kind of like that. Like, it's like the dream's happening, the memory's happening, the, the whatever's happening, but he can still interact with that person that he bring to the dream. And that's what this is to me. I don't know why Goad was there. Um, <laughs> I guess he was kind of like a vessel. I, I don't know why he was there. Um, but I did like that Rand kind of took control of the, he tried to take control of the conversation anyway. Um, yeah. and here's the other thing. Do you think it was actually Goad or is it just the dark one conjuring up things to freak Rand out? I... Because the thing is when he made him, when he nothing Goad, I think he did bring Goat into the dream. I feel like it, it, the the point of it was to freak him out because, I mean, when you see something like that, I mean, I know I'd scream, um, mm. but I think Goat kind of um, was still there. I feel like he, I feel like he, like that was something that he probably asked of Goat uh, to come and enter I'm, this dream or something. Like, what do you think? I'm, I'm gonna plead. I'm gonna plead the fifth on this one. Oh wow! Well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't wow. want to comment, Mister? Uh, wow. Well. Right. Uh, no, I, I, I don't. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you probably know why. <laughs> I don't. I don't like that. <laughs> oh, I know lots of things, uh, but still, you you know lots of things, and yeah. you know you know a good bit of how much I know. So yeah. No. <laughs> um, All right. But the, but uh, this is another one of those cases where Rand wakes up and he he has some lingering effects. What was it? Basically, like his face was felt like it was sunburned. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, he gets the line. You are mine, youngling, alive or dead. The eye of the world will never serve you. I mark you as mine. And then, a and fire then he marked his eye, didn't he? Like he kind of he gouged it out. Well, no, uh, he threw a fireball at Rand's face, but then when <laughs> Matt wakes up, who's also been having this nightmare, he talks about how Beelzebub, uh plucked his eyes out in his, oh, his there nightmare. Oh, there we go. There we go. So that's the first confirmation that... They're both seeing dreams that have Beelzebub in them, but they're not identical. No. So Rand got fire and, and to the face. Matt got his eyes plucked out. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously, and we we've seen before that you know injuries have carried over from Matt's or from Rand's dreams, but apparently not in this case with Matt. Yeah. Um, because he, he still, ha his eyes might not have been working very good, but he still had his eyes. Yeah, we haven't gotten any indication of anything that happens to Matt having carried over into the real world. Right. Um, the only but one we, do, we have we confirmation that, of it doing that with is Rand. 
and and kind of um gosh parent a little bit because parent kind of confirmed the rat thing no well the rats yeah but that's more of a indication of things happening on the world or at large but i'm talking about like rand has been caught made to bleed and now he feels like he's got a severe sunburn so it seems like it's affecting rand a little more physically directly physically anyways which is terrifying in all honesty yeah um, but yeah, something is definitely cloaking them, and I'm gonna try to pay attention to it this next round, um, just because, um, yeah, until you pointed it out, like, sometimes they do act a little bit confused. It's yeah. like they can feel them, but they're not quite there. Well, it's like Bialzaman even says in the dream, uh, sometimes you hide from me, and other times you light a signal fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was a really weird statement. Like, what is the taboo? Uh, you know, it's... What do you say? What protects you makes you vulnerable. One time you hide, the next you light a signal fire. Yeah. What protects you makes you vulnerable. Yeah. So something going on that that uh, yep. I guess is yet to be revealed. Uh, it's so hard not to talk. And about then this. <laughs> I'm yeah. like I'm waiting for you guys to do it. Like, come on, guys, let's nope. let's go. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. So nope. so there 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 was a second dream. Yeah. Uh, and this was this was later on, but since we're talking about uh, the dreams that Rand is having, um, might as well talk about them together. Sure. Uh, this was like this was like towards the very end, while they were riding with um, what's his name, Almon Bunt. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I like the way um, you know because he's he's telling them a whole lot about Andor and politics and tradition and all of these things and. And Rand manages to go to sleep, and when he wakes up from from the nightmare, Matt's like, uh, "Man, he talked all night. I can't believe you actually got any sleep." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this dream, and this was, you know, I guess the fact that Rand is injured in the dream because the Raven comes down, and the Raven speaks to him, but plucks. I think he plucks his eye out. Or something along those oh, that lines, was so or. Weird. But he wakes up and he's perfectly fine, other than the fact that he just had a nightmare. Other than being like disturbed. Yeah, yeah. So that, so, that was kind um, of. Uh, it's like uh, if Baalzaman's in the dream, that's when that's when you're more likely to get hurt. But this one was just a weird dream, and if anything, yeah. I feel so like creepy. it's more. It's supposed to be symbolic of some, like you know, some kind of symbol, but um. If Balzaman's not in the dream, then you tend to be kind of okay. Uh, just mentally, just mentally hurt. I kind of want to dive back into um, Rand's illness, though, um, because it kind of reminded me. It just because where where's this coming from? It's like is he transforming? Like what's happening here? Because remember before in previous chapters, he'd have bouts of something coming over him, but it was basically something that made him irrational and laugh and just kind of not be himself and now he's getting bouts of some kind of illness it's like he's transforming or something i don't don't know that's that's my thoughts on it well he gets pretty pretty severely ill um at the end that night where they're going to perform and then matt has to basically nurse him back to health by and and act like he's got some kind of contagious disease to get the innkeeper to let him stay in the stables and of course then they're attacked by the, the noble lady but yeah. uh, Rand is 
Rand is, you know, feverish. He's seeing things that aren't there. Or are they there? Who knows? Uh, you know, he thinks he well, sees Beelzemon and Fades walking up and down through the barn. Talking uh, to, to talking to Tam, too. Yeah. I say it's kind of, I guess in some ways, I mean, maybe it's a little bit reminiscent of what we saw with Tam very early on. It's like, it's like he's having some fever dreams. Yeah. And it seemingly came out of nowhere. The thing with Tam, right? Right, because... No, no, with, with, uh, I mean, just Rand's illness with him getting sick, it just seemed to come up out of nowhere. No, literally, uh, flashback, flash forward, whatever, this really did come out of nowhere. I, I can't, I, like, I'm trying to figure out where, like, what's the source of this. So I know it's some kind of transformation within him, at least in my mind. Or, or had he, had he been feeling any kind of illness or any kind of sickness, Stephen, before he just, I mean, yeah, when they're in, it, they're in that, that in he just completely loses it and yeah. it so, falls apart. But was he feeling anything before that? I, I don't know if I, I think he'd had not. some like headaches and things uh, when they were on the road, if I remember correctly. But right. nothing like this. And it comes on really suddenly. Uh, it's like one yeah, minute yeah. he's getting ready, he's going to go perform with the flute. Everything's hunky dory, and then the next thing he knows, Matt is basically having to hold him up, and he's out of it. Like Rand is. Not with it. He doesn't under, He doesn't know what's happening with the cook and the innkeeper anymore. He's just kind of in his own world, this foggy haze. It just hits him like a ton of bricks out of the blue. Uh, and then it takes him a while to get over it fully. Like it, Even though they make it through the night and then back out onto the road, he's not well for the next little while. Right. Matt, he's really leaning on Matt, which bravo to Matt. Despite what's been going on with him, he really steps up and shows oh, yeah. what a good friend he is here. He really steps up to make, you know, if it wasn't for Matt, Rand would be dead. No, I I, yeah. I, I felt like a little bit more at ease now, just seeing Matt actually become a friend here. Yeah. Because uh, I, was, I was worried. Yeah. It's like, it's like whatever, whatever has been going on, like the old Matt came back for just a minute or for, for a little while. Just, yeah. Just for a second. Yeah. So, and yeah, now you were talking about the other uh, dream, Justin. I don't think the other dream that happens in the cart there, I don't know that I agree that that is necessarily Beelzemon driven. I think it's just a no. nightmare caused by all the I, stress. I, yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it was just, it was just a nightmare and, and there was, you know, it just, there were parts of it that, um, you know, felt like a Beelzemon dream. Yeah. But... When and, and I guess the clue was when Rand wakes up after the Raven had been pecking at him, and he's fine. Yeah, you know, there's no injury because every time we've had a Balzaman dream, and Rand and Rand is injured in the dream, and he wakes up, there's some lingering effect, but not this time. So that was what clued me in that it wasn't a normal. Yeah, or it was a just it was a nightmare. Yeah, I think and, it's and just not something else going on. I think it's just a sign of how much everything that's been going on has been slowly seeping its way into his subconscious so that now even his normal nightmares are consumed with this stuff. And you have to wonder, too, I mean, how much sleep has he actually gotten? (laughs) And what quality of that sleep does even even, you know, even with everything that's going on, maybe the, you know, relative safety of riding in the cart with Bunt, someone that, you know, is, as far as we can tell, one of those good people that are still in the world. 
maybe he was able to sleep a little bit better, but then it's just disturbed by this dream. Uh, he was able to get a little, a little deeper into his subconscious that maybe he hadn't been able to do before. Yep. And the whole thing gets thrown away because of this nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that does lead us, uh, into our next section. Uh, unless y'all have anything else to say on the dreams. I think nope. uh, we should move on to Cayman, the quote-unquote grandest city in the world. Uh, and <laughs> don't we love that the cities just keep getting bigger? Like huge, right? <laughs> like we thought we already made it to New York and Berlin, right? And then here we yeah, are in Cayman. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't even it wasn't even close. Um, you know, first you know we went to Berlin. We think, oh man, this is a this is a massive city, and then we get to Shatter Logoth, and it's like, well, I thought Berlon was a city, and now we come to Camelin, and it's like, what's Shatter what thinking? Yeah. <laughs> now they don't use Shatter Logoth comparatively here, so we don't know how it would yeah. parallel. We're not well, really given that. No, but it's it's clear that this is obviously the biggest city they've ever seen. Um, yeah. Well, what my, that was, I think the it, it, there is something mentioned about you know it was definitely something beyond what they had seen in Shatter Logan. Oh, yeah. Some of that could have just been because the city was in ruins, but they definitely do mention... Uh, well, there there is um, a, a direct comparison given. It's like, Berlon would have vanished into it without being noticed. Yeah. And uh, White Bridge swallowed up 20 times over with hardly a ripple. Yeah. So, uh, this is a, a big city, again. Yeah. Yeah, it is a legitimate city, even by today's standards of city size. I mean, this came one would be the equivalent. If I just had to go out on a limb, I would say came one's probably the equivalent of like London. Okay. As far as size. I want to say too, this is the first time that we've gone to a big city and Matt has not been like, oh guys, it's an adventure. We can remember. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, uh, I think that, Matt. That tells you how, has, how much he's like changed. I, well, I think that and he's done. had his fill of adventure. I think oh, they he's all done. have. Yeah. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was gonna point that out too it's so sad it's kind of sad to me because matt used to be so light-hearted before all of this happened and now he's just dark and serious and there's not really any room for joking here anymore yeah which i i understand well, you know- but he's just so and and here in camelin it's kind of it's kind of irritating me too it's just He's so set on everyone else being dead, and that really irritated me. It's like he's such a Debbie Downer. Yeah, Matt definitely is. And not that I don't understand, yeah. you know, his his frustration. Matt definitely is the, uh, the pessimist in this case. Everybody, he's, he's certain that everybody's dead. Rand's still holding on to hope. But Matt is definitely down on the idea. It's not even this part. It just feels like he's being malicious. It's like it's some at this point because at first it was like he was certain that everyone was dead, and then at another point, like later on, like especially at the by the end of the chapter, whatever, it just feels like he's he's doing it maliciously, like he's trying to hurt, like like he's trying to hurt uh, Rand's feelings. I don't know that he's trying to hurt Rand as much as it's just like. He is his mind is consumed with dark thoughts. Everything yeah. is depressing. Everything is the worst possible outcome is what he sees. He's incredibly paranoid. Uh, and it's just he's consumed with the darkest, most horrible possibilities. 
and he can't see any of the good anymore. He can't see that there's a chance that they survived. He's just seeing how much they've went through and his mind just jumps and latches on to, well, if it was that hard for us, they must all be dead. We, you know, we're alone. Woe is us. The world is horrible. We're it's doom, gloom, and death. You know, it's, it's his mind. Has you been know, consumed I, I can't, with it. I, I can't imagine I would feel much different if I'd been through what they had been through. Yeah. I mean, but you know, just, just, just to be honest, I mean, they have been, they've been through the ringer and, back through it again, everything they've dealt with. It's like, you know, I understand he's he's holding a horcrux and everything, but you know, you don't have to keep on <laughs> insisting to your friend that everyone's dead. You know what I mean? Like I've I've never yeah. personally walked I've never I think I've probably had a horcrux for like tops an hour, so I can't imagine having it for like days on end. But um Here's, regardless, you can you can try to fight but it. There's one other and, well it's it, I was gonna say it's not just the thinking that everybody's dead. He's also, and, and again, insisting everyone's dead, not yeah, even thinking. No, 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 even, no, even beyond the, uh, their others of their group, but his not being willing to not wanting to trust anybody, seeing a dark friend in every person that they come across, even when they're in Camelin, you know, and there's seriously, I mean, he, anybody could be a dark friend yeah. uh, to Matt. And which isn't wrong. Maybe that's not, Maybe that's not without reason because that's exactly what they've experienced everywhere they've gone so far. But I also uh, tend to look at what's happening here with Matt in a slightly different light as well, um, with his constant insistence with Rand that everyone else is dead and they're doomed. I think one that obviously that's the darkness seeping in. That's all these paranoid thoughts. But at the same time, I also wonder if it's a little bit of the old Matt kind of saying these things because he wants Rand to convince them he's wrong. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. I would say I, if, if it's if it's the old Matt, if it's the old Matt, I'm going to give it like 10% because the other part just feels like darkness consuming. Oh, him. no. I'm talking about a sliver. I'm just wondering if... Oh, yeah. Like, if a that's, little tiny bit shining through. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That, when I read it, I kind of see that the little bit of light shine through and maybe that maybe that's just me reading it into it, but... I just wanted to bring that up because I do see that when I read it. That's an that's an interesting way to look at it. All I know is I'm kind of fed I, up with him at this point. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but like the, again, the not. I, 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 I at the same time, I, I feel like I kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah. So uh, they arrive in Camelin and decide to do what Tom said and seek out. Uh, the Queen's Blessing, which does take them a little bit of time, doesn't it? Because, I mean, this city is big. <laughs> and everyone and everyone's done with uh, with visitors, too, which I which I understand. It, it, it's kind of yeah. irritating when there's large crowds, but... Well, there's, there's so many people have come in to see the false dragon, apparently. Yeah. And and the, the locals are just... Yeah, they're done with it. They're fed <laughs> up. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's kind of like when there's some, like, you know, big event in, in your town and you got all of these out of towners coming in yeah. and they're, they're in all the restaurants. They're all over the roads. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just get tired of it after a little while. Yeah. So they do make it to the inn, and they meet master Gill and oh, uh, get a whole Gil. bunch more information about their friend, Tom. 
And, and I'm glad that he's on the same page. I didn't see a body. I think Tom is alive. Oh, do you now? You have to see the body. That's how you confirm. You have to confirm these yeah. things. Uh, you're a bit, uh, you're jaded on Pat and Fane, aren't you? You didn't see a body <laughs> and he showed back I am. up. I am. I am. I agree with him. You, you can't just, he, he said, he said, guys, go on ahead. He, did, yeah, he didn't but... say, hey, guys, I'm dead. He he also doesn't have all the information because they haven't exactly told him that what was fighting it wasn't a guy that Tom was fighting it was a fade. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. true. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys trust him, Master Gill? I never. I, he just anytime someone asks too many questions, I just automatically start assuming like I'm kind of like Matt in this way. Like, why are you asking so many questions? Like you're like you're a dark friend too. Well, he's he's not a skinny fellow, so that no, helps. No, no, yeah. he's not. <laughs> I think he's... So that, that's why I'm, like, hesitating to kind of accuse him of anything, because I'm like, well, you're not you're not a skinny innkeeper, so... Yeah. Mm. You know you know what's going to happen is eventually we're going to run into a fat innkeeper who's a dark friend. That's terrible. And that's probably going to be, like, the pinnacle of the book. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry, far, I just had to interject that. So far, though, I think he hasn't given us any reason not to trust him, and no. they have to start trusting somebody. They can't. Yeah. They're gonna. They're gonna get killed if they don't have some kind of help because they are. They are at their end of what they can do themselves. So they're gonna have to trust plus, somebody to help them. At least it's food. Plus, I think. Whatnot. Yeah, I think he does have a vested interest because apparently he knows Tom. Yeah. yeah. And Tom did send them there, so it's not like it's just that, a that random too. end. Uh. And they have Tom's cloak, his harp, his flute. Yeah, and if if they, I think I think if anybody, I think if anybody has the right to be on the untrusting end on this one, it would probably be Master Gill. Yeah, you know, yeah. how did Matt. they come by these things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like, what are the odds though? You come by these things and you pointedly go to the Queen's blessing. So, yeah. <laughs> thankfully, yeah. there's that. Yeah, if they're thieves, they're the stupidest thieves ever. Because why would they? <laughs> why, one, the cloak's worth nothing. It's a Gleeman's cloak. All it is is evidence of where the stuff comes from. So why would you keep it? Right. And two, you're going to go to one of his friends and tell him, hey, we've got all this stuff. <laughs> you know, it's just, if they're thieves, they're really stupid thieves. I feel like that's so. the kind of thief I would be. Just kind of like, just kind of broadcasting. Like, look, guys, look at all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, friends. But yeah. So they settle in, um, find out about some of the stuff that's going on in the city, all the politics. Uh, how Rand has accidentally chosen a side in those politics because of him choosing to wrap his sword. <laughs> uh, uh, did, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's was that revealed quite yet. It was. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that came up. I thought it had. I'm pretty sure. I will say. No, no, I, will I, say I have, not, I have I not. I have not heard that yet. And I was. Oh yeah. Well, Justin, I apologize. But <laughs> but but I mean you. I mean, it is kind of obvious that there's some kind of divide, maybe, that you've got some that are doing one thing, some that are doing another, so there's clearly a difference. Yeah, Master Gill, we just don't know exactly, we just don't know exactly what that is yet. Yeah, that was my bad. Master Gill alludes to the fact that Rand had picked a side, but he doesn't say why yet, which is what I, okay, okay. I I jumped the gun there. You remember the shop that he went into to buy the stuff to wrap his sword and everything? Do you think that's why the shopkeeper there was so hostile? Other than the fact that he thinks they're there to see the false dragon. But do you think that also contributed to it? Like, ugh, like, and here he goes. I wonder. I mean... I, I kind of I picked up on those vibes. Yeah. Because he was, he was livid. That may, yep. Maybe if he'd picked a different color, the other color, maybe he would have been a little bit more friendly. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, uh, so they get settled in, and Rand is kind of wandering the inn, goes over to the library. Hey, we gotta wait, gotta kill some time. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go to the library, what about all this stuff we learned about Tom? Oh, yeah. That was before the library. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Tom was busy. Uh, uh, Tom has some explaining to do, if he's still out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, he, he's, we've, um, we've got a queen scorned. Yeah, uh, what is it? I, I think, uh, let me find, let me see if I can find the exact quote from Master Gill, or maybe if someone else finds it before me, we can read that. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I mean, there's there's a whole lot, but I guess the big... You know, we, we learned that Tom has some history in Camelin. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. Uh, he had been, <laughs> he had been uh, court barred to Queen Morgays. And there's a rumor that there was something else going on between them. But I, I like the way that that um, <laughs> Master Gill talks about it. He said there was some said Tom was still... Or there was some that said Tom was, shall we say, closer to the Queen than was proper. Uh, but Morgays was a young widow, and Tom was in his prime uh, then, and the queen can do as she wishes, is the way I look at it. <laughs> yep. Closer than so, was proper. I think we all know what that means. Yeah, but, you know, is it confirmed? <laughs> I mean... Or is it just a rumor? I don't know how long ago it was, but I, I, I'm, I'm, you know... Just, just at this point, you know, you wonder about that. Is that just something that spread because, you know, Tom all of a sudden wasn't there anymore? I mean, I think it's or, or, pretty or heavily implied, but yeah. it's not outright said, which is the way of things. I mean, nobody's going to just, especially telling these boys about Tom, what? he has no reason to come out and say, oh, yeah, <laughs> they were lovers. You know, it's, it's not. Yeah. Not going to come up in conversations I like don't, that. I just, may, may, I don't even think they were I'm lovers. Just, I just feel like Tom was just doing a. He was being a Tom. He was just Tom. Uh, may, and, maybe and I'm she, just being. I feel a, like it was a, a one. Advocate. It was a one-sided thing. But also, we don't know technically. This is just something we're hearing. Yeah, definitely, definitely, nothing's confirmed. Yeah. But Tom but. is charismatic, so you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, but he was apparently involved with her enough. That saying certain things to her ticked her off enough that she wanted him in chains, and he left Camelin on the run from basically the executioner. <laughs> I mean, he was he has and still it still sticks to this day. Yeah, still has a basically yeah. still has a warrant out for his arrest in Camelin. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, Master Gill does say something. Uh, you know that the queen was known for having a fiery temper. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think, <laughs> and this is going to, this is going to sound kind of funny, but it, it, when I think rem- I remember first reading this and reading about Queen Morgays and her temper and all of that, I don't know why, but I just pictured like the, the Red Queen from Alice in Wonderland. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, she just, you know, as soon as. You know, if you get on her bad side for even the littlest yes. thing, she's going to chop your head off. And I don't know that that's what's being implied, but that was just the impression that I got reading through this for the first time. That 
that you you did not want to cross her in any way, or you were going to lose. That's it. what I got to. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't put down Red Queen, but when you said that, like, yes, that's exactly who she is. Yeah. Like, do not like don't mess or, with or her. The, the the Queen of Hearts. Like uh, Tom Tom played with the wrong person, basically the wrong woman. Yeah. But definitely some intriguing additions to to Tom's backstory. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to ask him about it someday. We will, actually. We will get to ask him about it, because he's going to come back. You're convinced, uh, huh? Michelle, Michelle is convinced. I am convinced. All right. Well, uh... Okay, we can go to the library now. Okay, oh, no, on to the library. So, uh, Rand, like any good nerd, decides to go hang out in the library while he waits in town to see if Moraine and Lan and everyone else will show up. Gotta do something to kill time, and... And, know, to, and to get away from that, too. I mean, yeah. yeah, well, part of I think part of it, too, he just wanted a place that was Matt-free. away from other people. <laughs> not not just Matt, but away from other people. Because he's yeah. just too paranoid, too. And what better place so, yeah. than a library? Yeah, except the library's already occupied. Like, by, oh my gosh. Uh, by what? Is it a trollic? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, and it's so funny. I feel like it's just a tall guy with long hair. I, like I, I, I no, 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 no. Okay, I don't think he was Trolloc in nature. I think it was barely. Uh, but he's definitely, he's definitely not just not a human, guy. But, you know. He's definitely something. Well, I mean, I mean, we're we get the confirmation. He's a he's an ogier. Ogier. Yeah. Ogier. He's an ogier. Um. So big, big dude. Um. Huge. So here's the description. Okay. There we go. So, go for it. Uh. Let's see, here we go. All right. Rand was used to being taller than everyone he met, but this time his eyes traveled up, 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 and up until his mouth fell open. Then he came to the head, reaching the ten-foot ceiling. So he's ten feet tall. A nose as broad as the face, so wide it was more of a snout than a nose. Eyebrows that hung down like tails, framing pale eyes as big as teacups. Ears that poked up to tufted points with a shaggy black mane. So there's definitely something, I don't want to say this and it, it sound wrong, but there's something animalistic yeah. about Loyal's appearance. And and so, you know, listening to it as you read it again, it does, I, I guess I could see where at a quick glance, yeah. Rand could get the idea of Trolloc. Yeah. But but okay. a, a, the more you the more he's described and you think about it and I, I guess us having actually encountered Trollocs in the story and Rand Rand having done that as well you know it shouldn't take long to realize okay no this is not a Trolloc now for the people in Camelin who we find out had kind of been chasing him through the streets and and pretty much forbid he he's stuck with it. he can't go outside because of it. Yeah, but then to think they've never actually seen a trolloc, and trollocs are relatively like-sized with ogier. So right. a trolloc, some are a little shorter, some are a little taller. Typical trolloc ranges from about seven and a half to nine and a half feet. So ogier are a smidge bigger, but if at a glance you're going to see that something that size, especially for Rand, who's been fighting trollocs, uh, it's going to yeah. scream trolloc. Um, yeah. I think he he kind of gives off uh, almost uh, cat-like vibes with the tufted ears and the mane of hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. 
I can see that. Which is distinctly not a Trolloc. Like, Trollocs typically are wolves, boars, eagles. I was lion. When I, yeah. I don't know why I thought uh, lion. Yeah, it's not a, lion my, not, yeah. not a particular animal that we ever see associated typically with a Trolloc face. Yeah. Do you think so. normally if, when, uh, you know, uh, you know, the town of Camlin is super crowded because of the false dragon. Everyone wants to see the false dragon. Do you think the normal residents of the town know about him? Like, you know, so normally, because I'm wondering how he even managed to make it to Camlin looking the way he does without someone like attacking him or, so, or a huge. So, gear are definitely a thing. They're part of the world, okay. uh, but they are a rare sight. And a lot of people assume that, well, people from where Rand is from just thought they were t- t- uh, fables and myths, just like the Trollocs. People in the bigger cities would know that Ogier are actually real people because most of these big cities were helped build by them. Uh, but most of them have still never seen one in their life because uh, they're rare. They're not like you're going to walk down the street and bump into one. So even though they know Ogier are a thing, when they see one, they're not going to associate that, oh, that's an Ogier. They're going to think of the first thing that pops in their mind, which happens to be Trollic. <laughs> I, I remember back uh, in an earlier chapter, it was, I think, I think like maybe chapter five or six uh, after the Trolloc attack in Emmons Field that Rand was thinking to himself because, you know, these stories that he thought were just fairy tales were coming to life. And I remember him thinking to himself something along the facts. Oh, well, next thing you know, I'll meet an Ogier giant. And what do you know? Here we are in Camelin and we meet an Ogier. You know, before, um, before this moment had happened, I, cause I, I I remember when Rand had mentioned the Ogier and I think that's not even the first time I always pronounce it as Ogre. So that's that's what I kept on imagining. Um, It is a similar word. So and I think that's probably done on purpose. He always does that. I think, I think it was yeah, in, intentional. Always. Um, um, so that's what I was always picturing as well. Yeah. I love that Rand has found someone he can kind of confide in. Yeah. So he... Because he opens up yeah. He opens <laughs> up and tells Loyal everything. Yeah, he's his best friend now. The floodgates open and all yeah. the story comes out. I'm so happy for Rand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt I felt I mean, that he finally gotta, had like peace, like he had somebody. Yeah, so you got to imagine just how much of a relief it felt just to pour all of that out to someone. No judgment, no negativity. Oh, and I, can I we like talk for can we talk for just a second? So Rand sees Loyal and thinks yeah. that he's a trollic. And Loyal sees Rand and thinks that he's an Aielman. Yes. <laughs> so they both that was interesting. assume things about each other and mis, uh, misalign who people are. Yeah. Can you explain more about what an Aielman is? Um, you can read what's here. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you more than that. Uh, uh, they're, they're, a war- we'll, we'll, they're a warrior people. That's all I can really tell you at this warrior point. Warrior people. Yeah, I yeah. did like that he he told him where he was from. Uh, I I like the respect that o, that uh that he received when he told him like, oh yeah, I'm from uh, Manetherin. Yeah. So fun little side note about that is that uh, he loyal apologizes to Rand and says we were not able to come in time, which is yeah. this really neat fact that that means that 
amongst the people that were allied with Menethrin, the Ogier were allies of Menethrin at some point. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's that's an interesting little tidbit that we didn't know before this. So, and I think it's, you know, him going around trying to see the groves and everything is really neat. It's sad that they're not, he's finding so many of them gone, which is just speaks to how humanity destroys things. I, I mean, that sounds familiar. Yeah, but he's... He's he's also at the same time when he, you know, he he wants to go with Rand, and one of the things he says is that the grove in Tarvalon is said to still be thriving, that the Aes Sedai keep take good care of it. So yeah. there's a little bit of hope, I guess, left for him uh, in that regard. Yeah. So it, it is a, I think it is sad, but also beautiful at the same time. I just feel like we're gonna make it to Tarvalen at one point, and it's just gonna be demolished. Like, there's not gonna look. I, I don't. Everyone has too much hope in Tarvalen. I, I don't think anything's gonna be there. I'm starting to. I know I sound like Matt right now, but that's just my feeling at the moment. You're you're you're, you're not carrying a Horcrux, are you, Michelle? I, I'm looking around. Like I'm actually I'm actively like looking around. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Stephen. Stephen looks like he really wants to talk about something. <laughs> so, drawing to the end of this set of chapters. Yes. Uh, we get a little bit of an info dump from Loyal yes. here with one key word. Taviran. Taviran. Thoughts? Yeah. Go ahead, Michelle. Oh, no, no. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to tell me the thoughts. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're the one reading this for the first time. <laughs> I, I, look, I, literally, I literally am blank here. Well, Stephen, why don't you tell us... Um, mm. Okay. Tell us what Taviran is. All right. So <laughs> there's a pretty lengthy little definition for it, but basically the idea is this. Um, each person's life is a thread in the pattern. The pattern, the wheel weaves the pattern of lives to create oh. the age. Taviran is when one of those threads attracts and bends the others around it to itself. That oh, alters yes, the course. So, and I just butchered that explanation, but... No, no, uh, no, that was... That no, was I, mean, it. No, I had, no. like, a refresher, like, yes. It made it... It explained a lot, didn't it, guys? I, I think I think you hit it right on the head, Stephen. It's when the pattern sort of weaves around a certain individual, so to speak. Yeah. It's like the so, it's like the pattern is supposed to be the pattern, and then this and you know how you know how they say there's nothing you can change about the past or or the future, like it just is. But then I think here with this explanation, it's basically saying, but then there's certain people where they just kind of pop up, and whatever's happening with them just kind of it's like he's morphing he's morphing the wheel as he's going along, right? Their 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 lives are going to shape the future. Yeah. So base the the definition here. Is that sometimes the wheel bends a life thread or several threads in such a way that all the surrounding threads are forced to swirl around it, and those yes. force other threads and still others, and on and on and on. That first bending to make the web is Taviran. Uh, there's nothing you can do to change it, not until the pattern itself changes. So until the pattern says you're done, you're Taviran. And what that, that means is that other lives, other threads, will be forced to shape and bend around the choices you make. And wh whether or not the choices are necessarily yours or not is a whole other question, but, you know. And I don't think it's just Rand. I think it's like the, 
It's the entire friend group. They're all yeah, well, well, Royal even says that it may be him and his two friends. So yeah. Rand, Matt, and Perrin may all be Tabiran. <laughs> Which is, and, and when you think about it, we, we actually get a, a couple of names associated with the concept of Tabiran. Uh, Archer Hawkwing. Yeah. And then... And Luz Theron Telamon. I mean, these are names that we've heard that are, you know, for our characters are... Significant. Pivotal, pivotal moments in in their history. So you can just imagine, you know, I, I just imagine what what that means for anybody who is Taviran. Yeah, especially someone like Rand or possibly Matt and Perrin from a little, you know, nowhere village. In a nowhere part of the world. I mean, the two rivers itself is almost like a nowhere part of the world. And then you've got this small village <laughs> within that that's even more of a, of a nowhere as far as on the grand scale. And here there's a possibility that people from that village are going to be shaping world history. Yeah. And it's, it's also crazy. Like, all right. So we get Arthur, Hark- Arth- Arthur Hawkwing and Luz Theron. Two men that like shaped history around themselves, and we've yeah. got three, com- three of them coming from the same little village in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, what kind of effect is that going to have on the world? You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's... they're all traveling together, and now they're separated and just touching everything. Yep. Things are going to get interesting. Yep. Isn't it? It's crazy though that um that he actually caught that loyal. Yeah. He caught it yeah. like rather immediately. Well, he's, that's one of the things with Loyal is he is kind of the source of information because he's old. No, no, no. Uh, he's young. Yeah. He's only 90. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's young actually, for an yeah, age. Yeah, he's actually like an adolescent. Come, yeah. Come on, Stephen. He's only 90. How dare you say he's old? I can't believe you said that. He's quite young, actually. He's, 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 he's older than old Senbui, but how dare you say he's old? Yeah. And Senbui, I feel like it's probably like 50. No, Sinbui no, is like he's older than that. Probably eighty. <laughs> he's got to be. He's got to be at least in his eighties. But yeah. you know what? He uh, he's he's working his eighties though, because he he gave off the impression of just being strong and just all uh, you know. So I, I guess you know he's he's aging but, well. But regardless, but we definitely get we definitely get the impression that loyal at at ninety is still considered young. He's a kid. Yeah. And he said, too, I think at the end of everything, he's still going to go back to his people. He's just out doing his little exploration thing because he's because he's a child. That's what you do when you're young. Yeah, you go out and you go out and see, see the, the world. world, you know. Yeah, he's only 90. Like there's he has he has a lot of life <laughs> left in him. Hmm. And you know what I love too? I love <laughs> the end of it. It's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to travel with you guys, too. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know what? But Rand, but Rand says no. He says it. He says no Rand, with his mouth, but not with his heart. Well, but but I, I, Rand, Rand says no for the for the time being. But I I love Loyal. He's a he's such a fun character. I really really like him so much. I can't wait to spend more time with him. I don't. If we get to spend more time with him, you know what? You know what's crazy? I mean, I don't even know why Loyal even suggested or asked for this because, like, we're already here trying to like cloak ourselves, and then here you go with your with your twenty foot. <laughs> just walking around. like there's no better way to point out like hey uh, those are the kids we're looking yeah. for than having loyal like walking around you know next to you 
But I, I really do hope he joins the group. There is an opening uh, at the moment, temporary opening. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're take, taking applications. Yeah, we're taking applications. We have to take applications now because, you know, before we let anybody join. Um, but uh, I guess another question I have, um, I wonder if, uh, I guess it's not possible for another species but a human to be a dark friend. Oh no, there could So I dark mean, friends can be anybody. Really. Yeah, dark friends anybody. can be anybody. There's okay. there's no rule that says it has to be a human. I was even um, shocked that it could be female. I was shocked at that too. Like I I I'm learning so much about oh, dark friends. You thought now. the women were just oh holy light beings in this story? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how women nope. how only a woman can be an Aes Sedai. I thought only like males could be a dark friend. Oh wow, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, I put that out there. It's done. I'm glad now we're all on the same page. Like now we're all like we all know what everyone's thinking, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have the the rumored existence of a black Aja, which is dark friend Aes Sedai. So that is crazy. And they <laughs> so like, those would have on. to be female dark friends. It's like, it's like it's crazy. If you can't trust the Aes Sedai, who can you not like? Who can you trust at this point? Hey, well, a everybody's been telling you not to is, trust the Aes Sedai. That that's just the thing is, just about everybody we've come across in this world does not trust the Aes Sedai. Who is the woman that's next to the queen? What's her name again? Elida. Elida. Yep. She's the Aes Sedai. I hope yeah. she's not a, uh, a black Sedai or what is it? A black Aja. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. Cause that's, that's the last thing we need right here. The town is so big. Like, can we please not destroy it? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not leave destruction in our wake. Right. Well guys, do y'all have any other comments or thoughts? I hope we get to see our other friends in these next few chapters. I'm I'm I want to see what Lan is up to. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to see I want to see what's going on with our with our wolf brother. What about you, Justin? Uh well, I, I, as as I said, I'm excited to meet Loyal. Um I have some theories uh, about his character. Do you think do you think he's like that, I, I felt like he was related well, to Narg? No, no. I, I have some I have some theories about his character that that come from uh, further reading, uh, and maybe I can confide that a little bit at another later point. But I am excited to meet Loyal. I am uh, looking forward to uh, getting into our next chapters and hopefully finding out what's going on with the others. And as always, white cloaks are still the worst. They are. But listen, guys, listen. The only other Trolloc that we've heard talk is Narg. Okay, and then here we are with loyal, and he's so, and he's talking. So is Narg a Trolloc or is Narg an ogre? An ogier? No, loyal is no. an ogier. Ogier are not Trollocs. but they aren't related. But no, no, no. But Narg is speaking. Like Narg spoke. Yes, Narg managed to say a couple words. Loyal is fluent and intelligent and put together and knows things that the characters don't even know. There is okay, not so a comparison you just sound, here. You just, sound, you just sound biased at this point. Like, I feel like you need to open your mind here. I understand you're the guru. <laughs> but yeah, uh, man. But regardless, I stand with Narg regardless here. Um, Ogier or not. All right. Let's not, let's not close our minds to the other species out there. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm, Trollocs are pretty awful. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be my final word on it. <laughs> Trollocs are pretty awful. 
All right, guys. I, I don't know. I'm keeping an open mind. All right. Well, I think that's going to close us out. Uh, Michelle, any predictions for next week? Whew, I want a reveal on what's going on with Matt. I want whatever is like darkening his mind to finally take over him. And I want us to, I want us to see it. I, I have a, I have a prediction that that's what's going to happen next. Okay. Justin, any, I guess it's hard for you to make any right now. I already gave my final thought. He gave his yeah. final thought. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, we will uh, call it quits there and uh, we will hope to see all of you guys next week. And, uh, all right. See you guys. All right. All right. Have a good one out there. Have a great night. Stephen here, and we wanted to thank you again for joining us for this episode. New episodes are released every Tuesday. If you like what you hear, first subscribe so that you won't miss out on our next episode. We would also love it if you would leave us a rating and a review wherever you heard this podcast. It would really help us get the word out there to more potential listeners. You can also email us at thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com or interact with us on social media on Twitter at windbeginning. We're on Instagram at The Wind Was a Beginning. We're also on YouTube and Facebook at The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. We hope you'll come and join us next Tuesday as we discuss chapters 37 through 40 of The Eye of the World. See you then.